Welcome to the Lean Health Tech Podcast, where industry professionals discuss trends and topics where efficiency, healthcare, and technology meet. My name is Taryn Shipley, and I'm your host. Our guest speaker today is Dr. Mark Cohen, the Dean at the Carl Illinois College of Medicine and the Senior Vice President and Chief Academic Officer of Carl Health. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Cohen. Well, thank you for having me. Wonderful to be here. Today's topic is how the world's first engineering-based medical school is training physician innovators to develop new ways to leverage technology in healthcare. Dr. Cohen, can you give us an overview of the Carl Illinois College of Medicine and its mission in the context of healthcare and technology? Sure. So the Carl Illinois College of Medicine is the world's first uh, fully integrated engineering-based medical school. And what that means is that we are integrating human-centered or patient-centered design thinking, as well as engineering principles into helping solve problems in healthcare. So our students are trained as not only competent, caring, compassionate physicians, but they're also trained as physician innovators who are leaders in thinking about how this convergence of technology, innovation, and medicine can all come together to solve bigger problems in healthcare. Are there other engineering medical schools in the world now, or is this the only one? There have been several more since we were uh, initiated. Uh, there's several in the U.S., including Texas A&M's NMED program. Uh, there's several being formed in the U.S. as new medical schools or tracks in medical schools. And around the world, there has been a movement that this convergence of engineering, innovation, and medicine uh, is really important in the future of healthcare. And so there's been about 25 schools or tracks around the world at, at uh, very prestigious medical schools in other countries that have been focused in this area. So all in all, there's probably around between 30 and 30 and 40 uh, institutions now that have adopted this ideology that we should be training physicians to really utilize technology and understand technology and innovation in healthcare. That's amazing. Let's talk about innovation in the medical education arena. Can we expect mixed reality medical training and entirely remote classes of physicians in the future? I think there's going to be opportunities where mixed reality, uh, which includes both virtual reality and augmented reality, as a novel way, not only to teach medical students, but also to teach teams of interdisciplinary health professionals. So medical students, nursing students, social work, in uh, thinking about how all those people come together to really help patients in the clinical setting. We use it in simulation. We're using it in clinical care delivery and telemedicine. And I think in the future, as we think about more opportunities for learning that can be done remotely, this type of technology is really cutting edge in terms of how we can not only deliver important content but also patient interactions through simulation and team training. So I think the future of medical education is definitely gonna have a component of mixed reality as part of, its, uh, part of its repertoire of tools to help train physicians of the future. Will that training model allow for larger class sizes and a higher volume of future physicians to address the staffing shortage? So, the, that type of a model certainly can uh, handle larger numbers of, of learners. The real question on, on workforce has to do with what capacity U.S. medical schools uh, currently have and what the plan is for that growth 
in the future, especially as we look at uh, changes in populations of different specialties around the U.S. and around the world. So certainly those type of educational modalities could uh, handle larger user bases, especially as we look at um, where additional healthcare providers in different sectors, such as uh, nurse practitioners, uh, physician assistants, and others uh, in the allied health specialties uh, can utilize the same kind of training for skills development and educational collaboration. So I, I think these tools are certainly going to be able to get uh, skills development and, and competency brought up around a broader healthcare workforce in the future. What's typically the limiting factor in class size? So part of the limiting factor has to do with uh, capacity to maintain clinical experiences for the students throughout their medical education. Uh, some of it has to do with uh, the ability to uh, meet all of the uh, accreditation standardizations for each medical school. So I think that is a th those numbers are regulated uh, in part by the uh, national levels in, in terms of the Liaison Committee for Medical Education and other governing bodies. But uh, I think that as certain areas have demonstrated a need for increased uh, physicians and workforce, there's new medical schools being uh, developed, as well as expansion of current medical schools in some areas. That makes perfect sense. Next, I'm going to turn to the biomedical engineering like tissue regeneration and nanoparticle drug delivery. Is there any research or recent breakthroughs happening with those at Carl, Illinois right now? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Um, there's actually quite a bit of great research going on on the campus here at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign in partnership with the College of Medicine and, and Carl Health. And, and one of the areas specifically is around regenerative medicine and tissue engineering. There's a big group of several investigators from many different colleges and schools on the campus who've come together in partnership to think about how to uh, create uh, either new organs or new, uh, new tissues that can help either heal wounds, fix broken bones, replace uh, damaged organs, etc. And this is an effort that's going on uh, at the Institute for Genomic Biology, the IGB on campus, as well as in the College of Medicine. And specifically in the College of Medicine, we have a research effort where we can take uh, fat cells from a person and be able to re-engineer those into a functional organ like a thyroid to replace one that hasn't been working or has been removed by surgery. And so there's a lot of work being done right now to, with several other tissue engineering platforms, both for bone scaffolds, for cartilage, for soft tissue reconstructions, and now organs, where we think we can create a great uh, development pipeline from the bench to hopefully the bedside in the near future. And translationally, how we can do that and create a facility on campus where we can print these uh, in using 3D printing and some novel techniques uh, to be able to go first in human. So we're very excited about the collaboration, the interdisciplinary nature of it, and how much of the campus is coming together around this effort with many schools involved. That is truly amazing. What can we expect to see next regarding advancements in robotics? 
So I think uh, as AI and as we think about uh, creating robots that are smaller, more functional, there's a lot going on in the College of Engineering, College of Medicine, and other, other groups on campus where we're thinking about how robotic technology can be uh, enhanced and, and equipped to handle more complex challenges. Uh, whether it's creating smaller robots, and if you look at uh, College of Engineering, there's uh, even groups that are looking at micro and nano robots that can manipulate individual pieces of tissue or cells, and then all the way up to larger robotics that uh, are working on surgical techniques and, and treatments. And how do we utilize uh, imaging and robotics in a way that we can really create a precision surgical experience for patients. Um, there's even a group on campus that's looking at how to automate certain aspects of robotic procedures using advanced AI where uh, some things can be done with no tremor and with a very um, re reproducible effect. So I think all these areas we're trying to uh, lead a large uh, group together on, uh, and there's great expertise as well uh, through our system and the University of Illinois in Chicago, where there's a big uh, robotic surgery program. So we see a lot of ability here in Illinois to really change how we think about robotics for surgery, for procedures, for training and beyond. About genetics and genomics, I imagine genetic sequencing will become a more widely used practice, not only for cancers, but for all individuals who want to gain insight on predispositions to conditions. Yeah, I think that that field is considerably growing. And just looking at the advances we've had in the last, you know, five to 10 years is just astounding to think about what we can learn from the genome, how much of the genome we can understand, and then looking into other um omic platforms like metabolomes and, and uh, different enzymes in the body that are produced. Um, we have great tools now with supercomputing and with quantum where we should be able to do thousands and thousands of processes to evaluate multiple genomic profiles of a person and how the environment changes the genome and how the social determinants of health can be incorporated into those effects. To look not only at new predictive models for things like cancers and chronic diseases, but could we even make a digital twin of a person that understands all of the genomics, understands all of the comorbidities, understands all of the medicines and, and social factors affecting health, and can then be able to computationally look at what are the highest risk diseases that person is susceptible to. And if they get it, what are the most, uh, most therapeutic options of treatment that would work best with that person's particular disease? And to think about how we can create even better precision medicine around that. There's several groups around the world that are focusing on that. And we have a group here that's really diving into that to understand where the how to unlock the potential of that big genomic data to really help pr create precision medicine, both from a diagnostic and a therapeutic uh, perspective. We've talked about genetics, we've talked about robotics, we've talked about a digital twin. How long do you think it'll take for some of these novel technologies to become mainstream and more widely used in various healthcare organizations across the world? Yeah, I think it's it's 
we're we're on this kind of uh, rapid growth of of information technology and how it can be applied in healthcare decision making and as support tools for thinking about predictive models and how to think about analysis of treatment options. So I think, you know, as more and more people are unlocking parts of this puzzle, uh, what we're going to see are tools that utilize this in different ways and that become much more mainstream and, and widely available. If you think back to 10 years ago, you know, tools like uh, genomic testing with 23andMe and some of these other uh genome profiling or genetic profiling uh, tools didn't even exist. And now there's dozens of them on the market. And so I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see ability to have a much deeper understanding of a person's individualized uh, genomic profiling, as well as their risk levels for certain diseases and other other things that, that can be used for therapy as well. So, so I do think that this is going to become much more widespread in the future as we understand more and how to use these tools more effectively. I know that we talked about a lot of cool technology, but I have to bring up artificial intelligence. It seems like it's kind of taking the lead. It's the hottest topic in healthcare right now. What role does data analytics and artificial intelligence play in shaping the future of healthcare? And how is Carl Illinois leveraging these technologies? Yeah, that's a really great question. And it's a big area of uh, ongoing research as well as consideration around the country. Um, I think that artificial intelligence is growing an astronomical rate in terms of the ability of these tools to gather information, to provide decision support tools, to think about how to organize clinician data uh, and, 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 and clinician encounters in a way that uh, make it more efficient from a uh, timing and, and medical use case. But what I would like to say is when you think about AI and when you think about how these tools can be used for the benefit of society and healthcare, there has to be a very balanced and holistic approach to it in the sense of what are some early efficiencies that we can gain and what can we learn from it so that we understand how to apply these tools most effectively and most responsibly for the benefit of patients. And that includes data safety concerns, addressing things like uh, ethics in, in the use of AI, and also how these tools can provide suggestions or recommendations but the physician should always be the one making the decisions and, and having that patient interaction is still so important. And so how to create that balanced approach and where AI can be helpful and what are some areas where we can create some early improvements in healthcare, both from a care delivery standpoint, but also from a systems and process improvement standpoint. So I think there's a lot of great opportunities out there with AI, and we are taking kind of a leadership role uh, to think about how to approach this uh, through a multidisciplinary team approach. I think the healthcare perspective is really important. Uh, there's AI tools in a lot of areas of higher ed, but in the medical school and in, and in healthcare delivery, it's certainly an area that many people are 
congregating around to understand where it can be best used. And I think the goal of the medical school is to really uh, help make those connections and start to ask those questions in a way that helps us to think about where those tools are going to be optimally applied, both for training of the future generation of physicians, but also the use in, in, with current physicians and the healthcare workforce. So we think taking a lead role and, and helping shape that is really important because otherwise a lot of those uh, opportunities will be uh, given to people in a way that they may not be able to use it as effectively. And so it's an exciting time for sure. And I know that we have many faculty and students that are really excited and interested in working in this area. As the healthcare industry continues to evolve, what advice do you have for healthcare professionals, prospective students, providers, entrepreneurs looking to make a positive impact at the intersection of healthcare and technology? Yeah, I think I think the biggest advice that I can give is that technology is something that's not going to go away and it's something that's only going to grow and it's in its way it is interwoven into healthcare. And as healthcare providers and future healthcare providers, it, it's it's our opportunity and our responsibility to understand how technology can be applied to help patients in the best way and how to understand where technology is appropriate, what's the best use case, and how we can work together with our colleagues in engineering and business and industry to really drive this in a way that benefits patients and society. And I think that's an area that we need to take a leadership role as, as healthcare providers and future healthcare providers, because understanding some of the challenges in healthcare delivery and from healthcare opportunities for patients, we can help guide some of those solutions in a way that's going to be beneficial to many. And so I think it's exciting to be in this age where technology and medicine are coming together so much more effectively. Um, but we really have a responsibility to train the future generation to be able to be facile with this and to be able to understand how to use it for the best care of patients in the future. Thank you so much for sharing your insight around how the Carl Illinois College of Medicine is leveraging technology to advance healthcare. This concludes today's Lean Health Tech podcast. If you're a listener and would like to hear a certain topic covered in future episodes, please let me know by leaving a review or comment. Thanks for joining and be sure to check out the next episode.